Hello, welcome back to Unseeded, the weekly tennis podcast. But it hasn't been weekly for our returning host. Welcome yeah. back, Fur. Hello, thank you, thank you. Yes. <laughs> you Did should you, um, like clapping. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try and find a clapping sound effect. Okay. <laughs> you know, the sort of, hey! Yeah. Um, so you listened to our podcast without you. Do you think we coped well? Yeah, it's definitely interesting. <laughs> Especially when it start stop being about tennis and it start being about the stadiums and football and stuff like that yeah i mean to be fair, <laughs> I, I was recording it with my mate who is really into tennis but also really into football so he's gonna it, it was gonna bleed in there somewhat <laughs> i mean it also didn't help that i mean you could tell from the title that we just hadn't watched much tennis at all are you okay <laughs> For context, Fur has just failed to drink water. Uh, I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That was rough. Oh, like I was going to die. Well, are you, are you... This is what drowning feels like. It's Drowning's probably worse. Uh, I, I don't think so. This is where we need I'll a visual element to the podcast, isn't it? <laughs> No, I don't think anyone was. <laughs> anyway, uh, tennis. So, I mean, should we cover some of the things that I've like, briefly mentioned, some of the things that happened since you were last on the podcast? Yeah. Miami yeah. finished. Yeah. Any thoughts there? Um, Not really. So, it was Rubakina. No. Go on. No, it was Kvitova and Medvedev. <clears throat> oh, Vitka yeah. beat Rabakina and yeah, Medvedev that was unexpected. I really thought Rabakina was going to win. Yeah. Um, Medvedev, you know, I mean, I, I also thought Alcaraz might win, but Medvedev is just like, you know, yeah, expected. Uh, I just expected for him to win. So, and um, and maybe the biggest story is that Casper Ruud won consecutive matches and a title. <laughs> Which has has has, has uh, not looked likely this year. Yeah, but, he's yeah, broken no, the he, curse. Yep, he won Estoril. Um, oh. But anyway, more recent tennis. Should we just do Monte Carlo? Yeah, we'll just start with the final, and then we'll get on to all the other shenanigans. I think. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, the final was uh, Andre Rublev defeating Holger Rune five seven six two seven five. I mean. I've got to say, my attention was split when I was watching this final. I was doing the whole double screening thing because okay. the tennis started at one thirty UK time, hmm. and then at two it two o'clock, Arsenal kicked off at West Ham. Oh gosh! And I didn't want to miss either of them because I really struggle to watch sport when it's not live. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I had on one TV screen the Arsenal, and then on the other one I had the Monte Carlo final. So it was. Okay, watch two things at once. No, genuinely, at, at moments my my brain was just frazzled because I was looking at the screen with the tennis on, and it was just a crowd shot, and my brain was just like, "What is Daniela Handakova doing at West Ham?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Wait, no, she's in Monte Carlo." <laughs> No, I mean, I guess you you can always, well, as someone who doesn't like football, well, like nothing's happening except for when there's like a goal. You could probably watch tennis most of the time and then just like, if some if someone sounds like they're like, you know, the commentator for the football, it's like, oh, no, no, and then you can just watch. That. I mean, this is where we differ when it comes to football, because I'm not of the view that nothing is happening most of the time. <laughs> I mean, it's not an and, opinion. And, 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 it's, if, it's anything, <laughs> if anything, I'm defending football here and criticising tennis on our weekly <gasps> tennis podcast. Uh, I know, but um, there is sort of more moments in a tennis match where genuinely nothing is happening than there is in football because no. in tennis every two games they sit down and have a banana <laughs> they don't always have a banana okay banana. um for context fur <laughs> just held up a, a, a plastic banana um <laughs> <laughs> this is where we need to that's not a euphemism. but yes anyway uh to be honest i think with the tennis 
well, I, I probably paid more attention to tennis, to be honest, because... Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, um, I just think... Well, it's because I'm a professional podcaster. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's why. Um, no, so uh, obviously Rublev's first Masters title on his third attempt and second Monte Carlo final um, after losing to Sitzpass in 2021. Uh, so my thoughts of the match, to be honest, is it was a pretty even first set. Um, if not Rublev actually being the better player in that set, to be honest, because uh, he had eight break points. It's just Rune won the points when they were important. Yeah. Um, and then second set was just, well, it was 6-2 to Rublev. Uh, Rublev was the better player. Um and <laughs> that's great analysis. <laughs> well, I you know, but when when a scoreline is one sided, it's hard to like just say anything other than well done. <laughs> we all know how we all know how Rublev plays, and we all know how Holger Rune plays. Yeah, I mean, it's just like... one thing I want to mention though is the outfit. Right? Can we do this once we've gone through the score? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I think this is more important. Ugh, why is it every time? There's like a fine conversation about that for, for clay, not yellow. I'm sorry, orange. I'm wearing. Clay. Oh, well, did you like Holger Rune's outfit? No, I, I hated it. Oh no, I liked it. I liked that it. it matched the clay. I hate that. It feels like I'm watching a ghost play. I was like, like, what's going on? Like, uh, no, I hate that. Bold choice, but not the right one. I, I like it i like i like the monochrome look i like i like the same colors going they got lost in the background i like monochrome just not when you're matching exactly like the chord i know I, I quite liked it i thought it was quite cool mm. um no it's enough for me but yeah anyway third set rune was the one on top uh for a lot of it he had break points to go to 5-1 <laughs> didn't convert them uh, Rublev brought it back to 5-5 five, five, and Rune dropped his serve at that point with two very terrible overheads. Um, like, identical as well. Like, yeah. the, the points were straight after. Like, they were identical overheads. And it's like, I mean, fair play, like, backing yourself to take on the second one after hitting a horrendous overhead into the net in the same position. But also part of me is just thinking... Just let the bloody ball bounce. Yeah. Just like let because when it's coming in that height, it's probably gonna bounce high enough anyway to still hit a smash. But you're just taking that that risk out of the shot, which he did because he was sort of going leaning backwards and trying to hit the overhead. But it was yeah. I think that was like the main difference between those two in like most of mm. the match. Maybe not yeah. the first set so much, but like Rublev was so calm you know I've, i don't Which, think i've ever seen him so patient yeah I've, i don't think i've ever seen rublev so patient and so yeah calm. he was great he was like playing he, defensive when he needed and or like just being aggressive when he needed to he was just like super chill because as and, well it was like he 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 did shout a few times loud yeah. frustration but he wasn't going the full rublev no exactly and i think that's ultimately what like led him to win because you know they yeah. were both playing well obviously but rune just got so desperate and yeah. it seemed like the calmer rublev was the more bratty rune was like you know like yeah. so he was like by the third set he was like going insane yeah he, did you see like when he like threw the balls at like the audience and stuff like he was just, oh yeah like, no no well uh, I, I found it amazing because i thought he was like at risk of getting like two warnings straight yeah. off the other so get the warning and then get the 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 point deduction yeah because it was like he um because he he hit one and then just grabbed another one and hit it straight away but yeah. as well I, I mean he did do the whole like encouraging the fans to boo him and i do think rune does have that sort of Djokovic sort of medvedev element to him which is just like i'm going to yeah try he loves to be hated yeah um but that's, that's fair enough but it's I mean, if, it, if, it, if it motivates you <laughs> if, it, if it motivates you i think he did that a bit in the semi-final and he started playing better then so if it motivates you fair enough 
And yeah. the crowd like a Push good pantomime villain. <laughs> I yeah, I just I I was really surprised by Rubla being so calm, and that made me like him a lot in this. Match. Oh, I I well I I've I've gone on a journey throughout this Monte Carlo where I was I was like with Rublev, I was like oh he, he seems like a a nice guy, but yeah. I wasn't like really like. I love Rublev, yeah. but now this this Monte Carlo, I'm so happy for him getting his title, and I don't yeah. think I would have um, loved him as much as I do now if I hadn't have seen the um, the video with uh, Krikor Dimitrov. <laughs> <You're obsessed with that. laughs> I always like Rublev. I think he's like he's oh, he seems like just such a lovely him. guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, did you see what uh, Sitsipas tweeted after um, Rublev won? He, yeah. he was criticised for being a bit sort of like demeaning and a bit like coming across as a bit up himself because after Rublev won, Sitsipas tweeted, and this is a quote, he deserves it. He is a good kid. What? Yeah. No, I think a few people thought that was like Sitsipas being a bit like, I don't know, sort of like condescending. condescending yeah. But I I think it's just Sitsipas being his sort of usual bizarre self on Twitter. Yeah. I think just, yeah, by now everyone should be used to like the cringeness. Yeah. And, but I mean, at least he's congratulating Rublev this time because obviously, given their history of uh, uh, Pass losing to Rublev and then saying that he's the better player essentially and has more weapons by losing, yeah, no, I did, uh, win the final two yeah. years ago against Rublev, so yeah, I suppose maybe he was a bit, you know, <laughs> shady. But yeah. So I th- I thought it was a really good final. It it went in waves. Um, but I yeah no. But this tournament has been fun for a variety of reasons. Um, so I think we should mention the uh, the 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 quote unquote next gen because they are not the next gen anymore. Um, the 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 next gen drama. Um, so uh, all started when Medvedev defeated Zverev. Three six seven five seven six and nine seven in the tiebreak. All the more made worse by Zverev uh, serving at five four for the match in the second and third set, and not even. I don't think he even got game points in those hmm. those attempts. He then had two match points in the final set tiebreaker. Which obviously he did not convert. There was there was a bit of classic um, Medvedev antics. Uh, for example, when I can't remember it is in the second or third set, but when uh, he went to the bathroom, he, he went. Well, yeah, that was in the third set. But I mean, it was within the time for the changeover, so, so yeah. I, I don't see that as an issue. And also, um, after that happened, Sverev won the next two games or something. So exactly, it and he was, yet he still complained about it. Yeah, so that, I mean, that didn't affect Sverev at all. No, but the classic, uh, the real Medvedev antic there was. I must have been in the second set where he 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 lost the breaks, which allowed Sverev to serve for it. Is when he walked up to the net and uh, pulled the um, the the post out of the net that raises the height for the singles. Um, <laughs> it just walked up to that, pulled it out, dropped it on the floor. At that point, you're thinking, well, that's surely a warning. Yeah. Um, Zverev was just standing there looking <laughs> incredibly confused, which I think is that's a fair enough stuff. reaction. But yeah, no, he didn't get a warning because apparently you'd only get a warning if it breaks. But I think everyone saw oh, the funny side what? at that point because it was... It was quite funny. It's hard because I kind of get Zverev's point in a some way, you know, that mm. that attitude, you know, doing those things is like mental games, you know. Yeah. And you could say, you know, that's not, you know, sportsmanship. Like that's not. It's unsportsmanlike. That's yeah, what, exactly. Uh, called it, yeah. And. I see that, especially in tennis, you know, because you're not talking about like football or like those sports where people are just like, you know, dirty and aggressive and stuff like that. Like tennis is supposed to be, and it is like a very 
you know, prestigious it's a sport. sport. Yeah, it's a classy sport. So that also translates into the people who play it and the way they're supposed to behave. Like, you're not yelling at each other, like, you know, saying like horrible things. Oh, well, it happens, but it shouldn't. And it doesn't, it's not the norm. Yeah. So I agree with Svera that things like that shouldn't really be allowed. Like, that should definitely be a warning, you know, because that's not yeah. that's not what you're here for. And no. it is messing with the with the opponent, whether you are trying to do that or not, which he obviously was. It's just like mental games. Mm-hmm. And that said, because obviously Zverev is not the only player who does that. But that being said, Zverev is just really taking it as an excuse, I think. Because like yeah. he knows he didn't he didn't lose because of that. Maybe it was like a, a small part of it, but he's just looking for excuses at this point. Yeah, I mean to be fair as well, I think Medvedev does have a point where because Medvedev said in his conference when he was replying to what Zverev was saying is he needs to look in the mirror. Um, yeah, because uh, I mean Zverev is the same guy that last year after he'd lost a doubles match and there'd been a disagreement with the umpire during the match, he then, after the match's over, goes up and just smashes his racket multiple times up against the umpire's chair, not far away from the umpire's legs. Nothing came of that. There was no suspension. There was maybe like a a minuscule fine. But, yeah, it's, it's bizarre because, like, yeah... Medvedev does have his moments and obviously even Medvedev recognized this in the press conference. He, he said that obviously he had his falling out with Schwartzman at the ATP cup a couple of years ago. And they're sort of not really on speaking terms anymore from what it seems like, (laughs) but like, so he, he recognizes that he's got his like an issue. Yeah. He recognizes that, but it's like, Zverev is no saint. no, but I mean, yeah. it doesn't take away from him having a point. Obviously, it's hypocritical when he's saying it because he's now like, you know, he's not without sin. But yeah. I mean, it is true that this shouldn't be happening. Yeah, in, in I mean, in the sort of interesting, this sort of kind of follows on from a discussion that me and Dennis had last week, <laughs> which is we we talked about the whole thing where. Pagula and uh, Goff were saying that uh, trash talking should be introduced to tennis. Oh but yeah, I heard that. I, I think that's no, I don't. I don't like it, but clearly it's also just not necessary. Yeah, because <laughs> no. it's already here. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's so much trash talking happening outside the court, the court that you don't even need it inside. Yeah, I mean, one thing I do want to kind of say that was I the the, the humour wasn't lost on me is that uh, <laughs> it was Zverev versus Medvedev. Medvedev, who is f- he's famous for not enjoying and not performing to his uh, as he does on other surfaces on clay, and he's going up against uh, Zverev, the self-appointed twenty twenty two Roland Garros champion, <laughs> because. Yeah, and prior to the tournament, uh, Sasha Zverev was saying that he just felt like he was going to win Roland Garros last year before he obviously ruptured a few ligaments in his ankle. But, I mean, it's a brave assumption to make considering he was a set down and it was going to, or it was in, I can't remember, it, it actually got to the tie break yet in the second set. So it was a bit like... It's delusion. It's a bold assumption considering he was playing Rafael Nadal, the man who at that point had 13 Roland Garros titles. And in that tournament that Zverev would have won, he went on and won his 14th. Yeah. I, yeah. His, I don't know if he actually believes it or he's just trying to convince himself. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't winning the important points in that match. So yeah, he I mean, definitely wouldn't have won. No, and also you're going up against Rafael Nadal on court Philippe Chatrier at Roland Garros. It's yeah. sort of like... Uh, it's crazy. It's 
crazy talk. I don't think you can be certain that you're going to beat Nadal on that court until you've converted the match point. Yeah. And that's like, the thing with Nadal as well. Because, like, say you're playing anyone else, maybe you're like, oh, yeah, I would have won. But mm. Nadal, who is known to, like, literally Nadal come from nothing to winning the, the game. Literally <laughs> earlier that year, he was, like, two sets and nearly a breakdown yeah, for like, Medvedev in the Australian Open final. And exactly. he comes back and wins the thing. Yeah, like, you know that's what he does. So even if he was, like, two sets, you know, up, like, you cannot say that. You can't say, like, oh, yeah, I would have won. Like, delusional. Yeah. it's. I mean, even Lubicic, the, um, obviously, formerly was part of Federer's coaching team, he tweeted about it. And he, he was just, like, um, <laughs> amazing how many people just presumed that they were going to win Roland Garros. <laughs> it's just, like, <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. he explicitly called called Zverev arrogant, basically. I mean, um, I think everyone did, which is a fair assumption yeah i mean it's just uh yeah i just find this whole drama because you've got sinner and alcaraz as like the, the touted like next rivalry obviously i feel like you've got to put holger runa into this mix as well but yeah, i mean especially between alcaraz and sinner there is a real respect there's they like each other clearly and you look at the the big three they all respect each other yeah even like Holger Rune like I, I don't think that he's necessarily I've not seen him play out and Sinner but I, I he's got I know he's got this sort of almost like swagger about him the sort of yeah but I mean on I court too. that's fine on court like Djokovic has got that about him to some extent yeah and Djokovic has played the villain on many occasions obviously the big three kind of have to respect each other because they've got to recognise that each of them have got 20 or 22 Grand Slams. Yeah. They've played each other so many times and beaten each other so many times. So it's like you're going to respect them. Zverev sits past Medvedev. They have one Grand Slam between them, Medvedevs. (laughs) And yet the way that they... The, so therefore, like Medvedev, I'm kind of fine having this bit of arrogance because he's actually gone and done it. He's gone and won a major, which is at the end of the day, no matter how high you get in the rankings, how many ATP finals you win, the thing that is always going to be the metric is is Grand Slams. They're the, they're the biggest tournament. Medvedev is the only one of those three to do it. But then you look at the way that like Tsitsipas talks and Zverev talks they talk as if they're already greats of the game. And yeah, you know, they're very me, good tennis players, but they're not champions. They're not there yet. Yeah. If ever. For me, mm. it's this thing where, like, you know, before the big three, you had obviously like Rod Laver and Agassi and McEnroe and all of these like amazing players as well who did a lot. And then we had the big three, and then nothing much after that, you know? Hmm. But now the times have changed so much that I really do think athletes in tennis now, because obviously in other sports like basketball or football, they're half athletes, half celebrities, you know? They're focusing so much on their image. They're focusing so much on sponsorships and stuff like that. Or like, I, I will never forget when, I think it was Asarenka or Wozniacki, one of them, um, I think it was Wozniacki actually, uh, she won, I don't know which tournament. Um, she won Australia. Maybe it was there. I don't know. But then she, she was like on her speech, she told like her publicist who, is, who was like sitting there, oh, maybe now we can get that Vogue cover, you know? Like, Mm. that's your priority? Like, you just won, like, something so massive, and that's what you're worrying about. I mean, that could have also just been a joke. I don't think it was, because you see her Instagram, you see, like, the things she does, and Mm. athletes nowadays really do seem to be focusing more on 
other things, which is fine, you know? I mean, you want, I mean, you're, they're entitled to like having hobbies and their lives and whatever, but you cannot expect to perform at the level that the big three were performing. And some of them are still I mean, are as performing. Well, but as well, like if you talk about interests outside of tennis and photo shoots and going to all these gatherings, like Roger Federer was one of the first to do, like really go beyond tennis and do all this other stuff like going to the oscars going to the met gala yeah but you like, you didn't see him like wanting to do it those were things that happened you know like he was he worked so hard for so many years and then in the last years those things happened like he was really good friends with anna winter and stuff like that so obviously he was in vogue and but he wasn't like seeking it if that makes sense you know like because of his hard work it happened and I feel like nowadays, like athletes in tennis, at least, they just want things without earning them. You know, yeah. they just like want to be famous and they want to be like in the cover of magazines. And that's their priority. Well, but sponsorships, like, if you sponsorships want that, play such a big role now. Yeah. And I get it. I mean, it's fine. That's how they make most of their money. It's it's good. Hmm. But, you know, if that's your interest, then become a celebrity, you know, become an actress or a singer or a model or something like that. Like, don't try to come here saying like, oh, I'm an amazing tennis player when you haven't won anything important and you're yeah. focusing most of your energy on your image. Like Tsitsipas, like, he wants to be a YouTuber and he wants to be like a photographer and he was like, he was to be like this, you know, like very profound, like philosopher or whatever. But like, he's saying like, oh yeah, I'm amazing. I'm an amazing tennis player. Well, are you? Like, yeah. maybe you're like, I, you're I'm good a... at many things, but you're not amazing at anything. Like, I still remember this, this, do you remember the match between Sitsipas and uh, Kyrgios last year, Wimbledon? And that one really kicked off. That yeah. was like, that was crazy. Like, I mean, I still have no idea to this day how Sitsipas wasn't defaulted from that match because he just launched a ball into the crowd. Um, but like, obviously that really kicked off because I mean, Kyrgios has got this about him as well, but I just think like, at least with Kyrgios, like you sense that there's a bit of self-awareness there and it's like, there's a lot of self-awareness. And, and like, he's got that, but I mean, as well, like he got to a Wimbledon final and yeah, he came up against Djokovic in a Wimbledon final. That's very, (laughs) that's not impossible. And but like there's there's more self-awareness with that with with Kyrgios in that front because it's like he knows that he's not going to be an all-time great and it, he's all he's also says said that like he he yeah. kind of wants to be the relatable one and he but then is. but then you've got Sitsipas Zverev come in the thing that bothered me with with Zverev was it was the arrogance to say that he just felt like he was going to win Roland Garros if you've won a few slams, I think you can say that. But the fact is, he has never won a slam. The thing is, he, you you don't do kn- you don't know if you can win a slam until you've actually done it because it's such a big thing, especially in the context of men's singles where it's five sets. Yeah, because you can be two sets up, even a break like two sets and a breakup, and it can all of a sudden turn on you and you know what and this especially when you're final. playing someone like nadal or Djokovic, yeah nadal would never come out and say that i don't think not i think but, none of the big but like would. if he was the one that was that rolled his ankle and required surgery and then a year later he was saying oh it's a shame i did that because i felt like i was going to go on and win the tournament it's like that's absolutely fine you've already won 13 of them yeah that's <laughs> so it's like but because Zverev has never won a major before, what evidence are you using to support that you were going to beat this guy that's won thirteen of them at that point and went on to win fourteen? It's yeah, like there's there's this there's this real arrogance that's come with this generation specifically, I think, and I think part of it is because they came through being told that they were going to be the next big thing, the next generation. They were going to fill the void of the big three, because I think a lot of people anticipated all of the big three would have faded by now, but yeah. Djokovic hasn't. Nadal, he's probably fading, but he's he's still, yeah, he's still there. He's still there and he can still beat all these guys, but they've been, they've been raised being told that they're the next big thing. And yet they're now 25 
they're sort of <clears throat> reaching their sort of peak age and yeah. they've not yet won anything and now they've got this younger generation coming through that are starting to win these things instead which i think it's kind of what happened to dimitrov in a way but in like like a generational yeah dimitrov like Raonic, these sort of they like was... especially dimitrov they he they compared him to federer all the time mm. they were like yeah. oh he's the next Federer. like he plays like the same and i think two things one that's maybe putting a lot of pressure on people because like yeah. if if what someone expects you to be like Federer or Nadal or Djokovic, that's a lot, you know? That's not yeah. like an easy thing to achieve. But also, like you say, it's like they keep saying it and they believe it, but they're not working for it. Yeah. I don't think they're working as hard as they should. Because like you see Kyrgios, he's pure talent. Yeah. Like Kyrgios would be if, amazing. If, if, if Kyrgios put in the time to the sport that like – the big three did Kyrgios would be if, he, yeah. if his body was was fit enough he would be challenging Just pretty good. much every slam because it, well he wouldn't be challenged every slam he wouldn't be challenging on clay but he'd be challenging the hard courts and Wimbledon definitely yeah like and, he would be amazing yeah uh, but if like, he liked tennis as much as he likes basketball yeah <laughs> he and, like, would this be is so a, good. But, like, the thing is he's always open about this but also like if if Kyrgios says, like, I could have won something, you believe it. Yeah. Because you know that even though he doesn't really care, he could have because he's that good. I, th- I think he's, I think with the last year, we started to see that he does care a little bit. Like, he, he does want... slightly. He, he, I he, think uh, he wants to make everyone think he doesn't care. I think he, he desperately wants a Wimbledon because I think, I think he, he wants, just... He'll take any slam. But I, th- I think, he, uh, but I mean, really, he wants a Wimbledon because it's Wimbledon. Um, <laughs> I mean, if anything, he would want Australia. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think the I think because he knows that grass is his best surface. And yeah, I mean, that's the furthest he's gone. But he almost wants that just to show everyone that he could, if he, if he tried, <laughs> yeah, if he, like he could, he could win loads of things of these if he wanted to. Yeah, and he kind of like, doesn't just fight people. Yeah, he can't. He just he just wants it to prove people wrong. Yeah, <laughs> um, and but yeah, like I think I think some of this arrogance with this that crop of players is just because they've been told that they're great from like childhood essentially, and only one of them has won a slam. Yeah, and I mean Zverev's only been in one slam final, I believe. Tsitsipas uh, has been in two. Medvedev's been in the most because he's had a couple of US finals and a couple of uh, Australian finals. Anyway, we've, we've had our little um, go at the, the next round. Maybe just one last thing. Obviously, Monte Carlo, Djokovic went out early, lost to Massetti, 4 6 7 5 6 I watched that match. It just sort of was wildly swinging between Djokovic pulling off amazing shots and then the next point being absolutely terrible. Um, it was it was bizarre, but I I think obviously as long as he's not allowed in the US, this part of the season is always going to be weird for him because yeah. he's just not playing. Um, True, but it, yeah. Uh, moving on, Billie Jean King Cup. So Great Britain were knocked out by France, effect, essentially three and zero, but three and one because we won the. Uh, the, the dead rubble, which was the doubles. So, but across the the three singles matches, there were six tie breaks. Oh. Um, but Garcia beat Bolsa and then Darts, and Corne beat uh, Darts. Uh, so yeah, Caroline Garcia, Katie Bolter, Harriet Dart, and yeah, Alicia Barnett and Olivia Nichols won for GB for the uh, the dead rubble, which was doubles. Afraid to say, Mexico lost. Um, they lost uh, three and one to Spain. Uh, they also won the uh, dead uh, doubles rubber. So, oh, good for us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other qualifiers were the Czech Republic, who beat Ukraine, Canada, who defeated Belgium, USA roundly beat Austria. Um, but I mean, the USA team was like Pagula, 
Goff, Collins, and uh, Katie McNally. So it's quite a strong team. Yeah, that's not fair. Um, uh, Italy defeated Slovakia 3-2. Germany defeated Brazil 3-1. Kazakhstan defeated Poland. And then Slovenia... Uh, defeated Romania. Fun fact about that one, I believe Slovenia is the first team since 2015 to come back from uh, 2-0 down. Oh. Uh, Strong performances from Kai Yuvan uh, there, sort of led the team. I think she's... uh, Kai Yuvan's an interesting one, because I've seen her twice at the... uh, I've seen her at Roland Garros and Wimbledon. When uh, we saw her, she was like, must have been... By the time of Wimbledon, she must have been ranked like 60-something. Hmm. And looks like she was climbing, but then dropped down again. Um, but yeah, so that's good. Hopefully uh, she comes back. Maybe she just needs to be the player that I go and see at all the slams, because already yeah. seen her twice. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be ra- the slam, you'll be like, when I was there. Yeah, when I'm at Roland Garros, I'm going uh, to make sure that I get to the outside court to see uh, Kai Yuvan play. <laughs> you bring uh, a, like a... Yeah, I'll, I'll bring like a, a, a banner. banner. <laughs> yeah. Banner, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, but that was, uh, I mean, the Billie Jean King Cup was interesting. Obviously, a shame that uh, our respective uh, Team GB and Mexico lost. <laughs> I know. Um, just need one time for GB and Mexico to face each other and then. Uh... Oh, gosh. That would... I'd, be, I'd, I'd be confident about that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, as long as no, it's not you and me. I'm, I'm sure Great Britain will win. I did. Did you not hear my challenge to you in the last podcast? Yeah, I did actually. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I think I don't, I'm going to beat I'm you now. Very sure about that. I oh, know. I'm. I'm confident. I've been playing like three times a week for like. Yeah, you have years. been playing a lot. Yeah, I've been playing a lot. I've been, I've been getting that practice in. I, I need to. I need to start turning the head to head on someone because I mean I've got a very similar head to head against Dennis. I mean I've not beaten Dennis. Yeah. But the problem is because. I mostly just play him. We're sort of improving at the same rate. Yeah. I mean, he's at least playing as well. So, yeah. So I, I now just need to play. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, the tennis that is coming up, there is Stuttgart. So that is the Porsche tennis Grand Prix or whatever it's called. It's all a bit of naff, all this marketing, all the players just having photo shoots sitting in cars. It's so <laughs> naff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is a very heavily stacked tournament. Um, so there's 32 entrants. There's nine of the... Actually, no, there's eight of the top ten because uh, Kvitova pulled out and Pagula was the only other one missing from the top ten. And then there's other... I mean, there's other players. So some of the first-round matches, you've got Raducanu, Ostapenko. Oh, um, that's kind of interesting. Kasakina, Badosa, and then Trevisan, Hadad Maya. They're like good opening round matches um the only thing i was just thinking about this is because some of the teams we've mentioned in the billy jean king cup gb uh poland uh well they're they're the two that stand out so you've got at this porsche tournament sviontek is the number one seed sponsored by porsche didn't compete for poland radicanu sponsored by porsche didn't compete for uh, Team GB at the Billie Jean King Cup. So I think it's clear that... Um, <laughs> Where they're sponsors- loyal to Slay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I looked into this because I was like... Because Radicanu competed at this stage for Team GB last year and she's fit enough. Like, she is fit. Like, she played Miami. I know there was, like, loose strapping on her wrist or whatever, but it's like... I do find this frustrating because it's like, I feel like if I was a top pro that was in this position, I would always, and I was asked to represent at the Davis Cup, I would always turn up because... I don't think they have a choice if it's like... Well, because Raducanu was asked at Indian Wells about the Billie Jean King Cup and her response is, I don't actually know when the dates are. So it's like clearly never the intention to even consider it. I think at some point, you don't really choose. Like, they just tell you where to go. My my thinking would be, if I was in that situation, it's like, if, if like, injuries were a problem, I'd turn up to the Billie Jean King Cup 
and then all the Davis Cup. Because you I just want Tim Brady to have one. Yeah, no, I do, and so I want the best players to turn up for for Great Britain, and because the the way I think about it is, if you're coming from one of these countries with like good tennis federations and good tennis associations, like GB has the LTA, is the amount of time, effort, and money the LTA would have put into your development as a young player. And a lot of the funding is dependent on how well British tennis players and the teams do in these competitions. Mm. So I think it is more important that you turn up to these to help the development because really part of the job should be trying to like help other players that are younger, like kids come up through the sport. I don't think she cares about that. No, no, but I she think... She cannot even help herself at this moment. Like she's been but struggling so much. I feel like there should be some responsibility to at least compete and help the federation or association that has put so much into your development as a player. Yeah, I think the same as you. Like You would want to believe that's what players would do. But in the end, they're very selfish. They only think mm. about their own personal gain. Yeah. So all of them in general, no one's thinking like, oh, how can I make the world a better place? They're all thinking, how can I take advantage of everything and be the best? Yeah, uh, maybe the uh, I, maybe I, I mean, uh, maybe the governing bodies just need to put in some obligation. If you're fit and yeah. you can play, you should compete. Like, because I like I find it it's it's weird that this is the case in tennis. Because I was I was thinking about it the other day, and it, I, I was sort of thinking about like imagine being an an English player for a football like your premier league footballer and you nobody's turning down an england call-up whereas it seems like in tennis it's perfectly reasonable but i i just well also because this is an individual sport like you look at the players that win these davis cups the billy jinkin cup or fed cups at night and they talk about it being like one of the most satisfying to win because it's it's one of the very few times that you Despite the fact that you're playing a singles match, you're competing as a team. You've got this whole support group around you. Yeah. But, I mean, you look at when GB won the the Davis Cup and you had Andy Murray basically drag us across the line at every stage of the tournament. Hmm. And what it meant, and I mean, what it meant for the LTA as well. And it's uh, just, I just don't... I just don't like it because, like, obviously, the the priority is Stuttgart because, and the priority is all these other tournaments because entry fees and sponsorships. It just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, but that's what that's like. Oh, my point a little bit. I just before. turn. Just if, it's if, all about if sponsorships. If you if you've got to fulfil these obligations, just rock up to Stuttgart. Go on the the training match and be like, oh, I've, I've, my hamstring's feeling a little bit tight. I need to pull out. You've fulfilled but your obligation. You've turned up. They don't. They don't want to do the same thing you want to do. They actually want to play those tournaments. They don't. They don't care about um, what's it called, the Davis Billie Cup, Jean King Cup, Billie Jean King Cup, Davis Cup. If, because if they did, they would. They would go. Yeah. They don't care. That's why they're not doing it. We've done a few little rants today, but don't worry. We now just briefly mentioned Barcelona. So Alcaraz is returning, uh, has a buy through to the second round. He is also the defending champion. Um, the other top seeds are Sitsipas, Rude, and Sinner. So these are the ones with buys through to the second round. Nadal with Brew. Um, so his injury issues are still persisting. I know that there is a tournament in. Uh, it's the Banya Luka Open, I think, in Bosnia, and then there's another one happening somewhere else. And uh, I can't remember where it's like Munich or something. Yeah, Munich ATP 250. I've not looked at that at all. Um, but yeah, anything else you'd. Oh, yeah, let's do our fun thing. I had a fun <laughs> idea earlier, which was both of us have to commit to making a hot take, an outlandish prediction at the end of the year. Not like super outlandish. I'm not just going to be like, <laughs> oh, okay. um, 
Uh, it's not. It's not just like Novak Djokovic will have all twenty-two Grand Slam titles stripped by the end of the year. No, that, that, <laughs> something, something that's feasible, wait, wait. but it's like a hot take. Unfortunately, I came up with this idea and I thought it'd be really fun. And then I was like, and then I got distracted doing a job application. So I've not had like time to fully think it. The, the, the problem was like last night I had a really good idea of one, but and I was like, that's where the idea came. But then I didn't write it down. So I can't actually. No. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do one. I don't know how outlandish this is, but I'm going to say Alcaraz wins French Open. Alcaraz wins the French Open. I mean, everyone was telling him that he was going to, everyone was saying that he was going to do that uh, last year. Yeah, and then you let, got to the, the good line in the Medvedev conference where, uh, press conference where he, he said, uh, he was asked about it and he was like, oh, the famous Carlos Alcaraz. <laughs> 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 oh, what is my, my hot take? Um, Djokovic won't win Wimbledon. Who's going to win? I've I've not decided that one yet. Um, It won't be Berrettini because even though he's a good grass court player, he is cursed. Do I go really bold or do I go like safe? Mm. Really bold. I'm going to say Yannick Sinner. Oh, I was going to say him. I was going to say he reaches the final. I'm going to say Yannick Sinner is going to win Wimbledon. I think Djokovic is going to ha- not even make the final. That's good. Yeah. I mean, okay. which is bizarre for me because I think I've I've um, I've sort of established myself on this podcast as basically the, the sort of de facto Novak Stan. Because yeah. um, I'm. Always... But it's about outlandish claims, so it, I know. It's... Yeah. So that that's my my bold prediction. You're going Carlos Alcaraz wins the French. Yeah. Is that a hot take? Yeah, because I think everyone still expects Nadal to win. Yeah. I think that's a hot. Let's do one each US Open. Oh, okay. a US Open hot take. Yeah. But US Open's tricky because that is the one where mad shit happens. Yeah, everyone's always like a new winner there. <laughs> I'm going to go with Sinner for US Open, actually. Taylor Fritz will be in the final. Oh, okay. I don't think I can say I can win it because going Yannick Sinner and Taylor Fritz are going to win a Grand Slam each in the same year is a bit mad. <laughs> Should we bother doing the women for US Open? US Open. Uh, I mean, I'm. I'm enjoy. We'll ha- we'll definitely have to do predict like actual proper predictions before the start of each slam. Yeah, obviously, but yeah. like, this is just for um, them. just just for banter. Yeah, it's a, it's a fast hardcore. It's. I'm gonna say Pagula. I'm going Rabakina. It's a fast hardcore. <laughs> That's not bold. <laughs> Bagula's not uh, massively bold. Uh, okay, what do you want? Bold. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Oh, sorry. Um, I just can't see anyone else. Not Spain um, predictions. Uh, um, should I just pick a player that I like? Yeah, I that's what I, I did. I don't, I, I don't know with the US Open. Just three, um, two, I was one. kind of tempted to say Paola Badosa, but the problem is she gets injured before the start of every Grand Slam tournament. Um, well, then it is a bold prediction. Uh, it's, yeah, no, but it's it's so unrealistic because she's going to play too much tennis in the run-up, get herself injured, and then go out in, like, the third round. So I'm going to say for uh, the US Open... Do I have to pick who, who wins it? You can just pick who... Richard's I'm going to say that Layla Fernandez is going to go on another run. Oh, Okay. I'm, I'm going to say that she's she's. I don't. She might not win it, but she'll get like semi final or something. Semi final or final? Well, I'm just going to say semi final for now. But <laughs> if 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 you're in the semi final, there's always a chance that you can get to the final. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So. Oh, uh, okay. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
So wait, what what are our bold predictions? So mine is that Leila Fernandez is going to go on a run at the US Open. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor Fritz will be in the final, and Yannick Sinner is going to win Wimbledon. Yes. Yours is Alcaraz for the French. Yeah, Sinner for US Open and Pegula for US Open. Well, I mean, if we're both right with Yannick Sinner, he's going to have quite the year, isn't he? Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> that would be good. I really like him. Yeah, a, a Sinner Fritz US Open final. Hmm. Um, I mean, that is unlikely. Treat. Um, <laughs> um, yes, I think that's all. We're at actually an hour of over an hour of audio uh, tonight, which is uh, a lot. Well, it's definitely not going to be over an hour when when people are listening. When you're done with it. (laughs) When I'm done with it and I've cut out half the things that first said. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thank you for listening. Um, You can follow us on Twitter, at UnseededPod. Obviously, as you're aware, we are available to stream on all platforms because you're listening to us on a platform. Um, But on this platform, please uh, rate us, review us. If Positively. Yes. Um, don't don't be spreading hate. Um, <laughs> um, we 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 we're, we're trying to send out good vibes. Um, yeah. Hugs, not shots. What? <laughs> the Mexican president says hugs, not shots. Like hugs, not shots. Yeah, but not but, shots as in like you know, no, drink but, shots, but like gunshots. No, but, Hugs, not shots. Does that? Are you translating that from Spanish? Yeah, I am. Does it rhyme in Spanish? No. What's the point uh, of it? Kind of, actually. Yeah, I don't know why he said it. I just know he. What well, do, do you want to say in Spanish, just to level up the culture? For Spanish-speaking listeners, abrazos, no balazos. There we go. We're a multilingual podcast. <laughs> Next episode, fully in Spanish. <laughs> No. <laughs> um it would be a very one-sided conversation. <laughs> oh no. Well, what's just happened is um right at the end, Fur has dropped out. The Wi-Fi has gone. Um I I don't quite know what's happened. Oh, she's back. Is she back? Don't know got a black screen on my screen i'll just wrap up let's avoid this confusion um thank you for listening um you can contact uh, we've got a twitter account at unseeded pod where like we occasionally tweet about tennis and stuff um there is uh obviously there's an email address there that i've never looked at once um but feel free to email us uh rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on and we will be back next week um where we will discuss barcelona stuttgart and probably looking ahead to madrid which i believe is just after that yep um but yeah thank you very much for listening and uh see you next week Hello.